It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. And away we go with the most exciting public affairs show in the country. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Jay Baker is with me. Hi, Jay. How are you? Hey, Adam. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. And we begin the show with a tip of the hat to a company called TCC, The Cellular Connection. Uh, Thousands of locations throughout the United States. It's where you go if you need a phone. Uh, I believe they're a Verizon wireless provider. So if you need a smartphone with some cell phone service, you go to The Cellular Connection, TCC. Their website is tccrocks.com. They've got a program called, are you ready for this? It's called, are you you ready? I I am ready. I I guess I I do want to tell you I have a great deal of anticipation. It's called. (laughs) Let's hope it lives up to the billing. It's called TCC's Culture of Good. See, I love that name. They have a culture of good. And they launched it in 2013, and it's just a way for them corporately to give back to their communities. And it's not just you know to give back to good causes. It's, it's to give back to good causes in the communities where these stores are. So I think it's very cool that they've got such a hyper-local, uh, charitable foundation arm of their, of their company. It's the TCC Culture of Good. And within the Culture of Good, they have a, a focus each quarter through the year – that they put all their, uh, I guess, resources toward. Uh, the first quarter is uh, entitled Teachers Rock. So they have, all, you know, company-wide, each store does something for their community, for the teachers. Uh, they deliver 10 care kits filled with supplies to local schools. See, that's great. Col- that's a culture of good Absolutely. right there. Uh, right now, this quarter, they do a thing called Rescues Rock, and it's to help rescue animals find a home. Again, locally, with the communities right around where the stores are. That's a great idea. Next quarter, and I know you're going to smell this coming with Back to School, next quarter, it's Schools Rock. Every store holds a backpack giveaway for the local schools. See, that's uh, brilliant because, as you know, in some communities, children just can't afford back-to-school supplies. So that's absolutely incredible. The fourth quarter is Veterans Rock, and the stores hold a veteran appreciation event. In past years, uh, they've given care kits away to veterans in the local communities. So you can see a theme there with Rock. Their website is tccrocks.com. This is the TCC Culture of Good, and they do four main initiatives through the year. Teachers Rock, Rescues Rock, Schools Rock, and Veterans Rock. So we tip our hat to TCC, we thank you for all the work you do in your communities, and you inspire us, Jay and myself, to do work in our communities, too. So thank you. Welcome to the Adam Ridge Show. We are brought to you in part by Vibonomics, our main underwriter. We are in the Vibonomics radio studios right now. Vibonomics is an audio experience solution platform, complete managed solution where they take control of the speakers in your store and make it sound like you have your own custom radio station. So if you want some music, some background music with some voiceover messaging between the songs to promote your business, then there's a whole other situation with advertising and the advertising platform where they can help you make money with the speakers through your your ceiling. You can learn more about that at vibonomics.com. Jay Baker, I count on you 
for the most exciting public affairs content uh, coast to coast. And I know you won't disappoint today. Well, and our huge research staff, which consists of myself, always is searching for things that help the community. What, in your mind, is the biggest summer holiday? What's the one here in America we all look forward to, Adam? Well, it's got to be the 4th of July. Absolutely, Independence it is. Day. And uh, Congress made Independence Day an official unpaid holiday for federal employees in 1870. So you could take 4th of July off, but you didn't get paid. It wasn't until 1938 that Congress changed Independence Day to a paid federal holiday. And as you know, 4th of July falls on a different day each year. And that's where the fun, in my opinion, begins. I used to work for an employer who would go nuts when the 4th of July would fall on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Because that employer knew that everybody in that place of business would turn it into five-day holiday or whatever amount of holiday they could possibly squeeze. The whole week wasted. The whole week, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And we used to have to – we used to joke that we'd have to get him an ice bag if it fell on a Wednesday because he couldn't handle it. Uh, Typically, as you know, four days is sort of the 4th of July. You know, it'll fall on a Monday or a Tuesday. Thursday or Friday, and that sort of all falls into place. You take three to four days off. Uh, I always enjoy the fact that holidays in America, um, you always hear the story, well, Europe gets much better holidays than we'll ever get. I mean, you hear the stories of France where apparently they'll take two or three months off. It's oh, Bastille oh, yeah. Day. Let's take four months off. You know? yeah, oh, yeah, everybody. No one works in August. The right. entire let's, take, let's the whole country take the entire month of August off. That's right. Uh, so – you know, we here in America, we do uh, manage to squeeze a little extra holiday out. But Fourth of July officially is a paid federal holiday. You'll appreciate this. Only John Hancock signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. We always heard that, you know, all these great representatives met in Philadelphia at Freedom Hall. They signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. Now, you're a history buff. Correct? I do. I love history. Uh, when you look at the Declaration, John Hancock's name is the biggest. It is. And I assumed when everybody says, hey, when, it's a, the cliche is when you want somebody's signature, you say, hey, why don't you give me your Han- John Hancock? Or I put my John Hancock on that, meaning I put my signature on that. Because I thought it's because it's the biggest signature on the Declaration of Independence. Does it have anything to do with the fact that it, he was the only one that did it on July 4th? Was he the first one and everybody else did it later? Everybody did do it later. I can't believe there wasn't one joker that said, you know what, darn it, I'm going to do my name as big as John's. In fact, I'm going to make it bigger. So maybe John went last. It's funny that you said that. <laughs> you actually are touching on something that is absolutely correct. What happened was they had a an initial copy that they were going to distribute to soldiers in the field. Because remember, this occurred because we were no longer going to be a colony of Great Britain. We were no longer at war with Great Britain. So we are declaring our independence. Hancock signed it first. Now, on August 2nd, most of the others signed it at that date, and because Hancock knew that he had signed it first, he boldly signed his name again on the updated version. So he purposely made his signature the most prominent and the largest on purpose, and, but it wasn't actually signed until August 2nd. Yeah, you'd think like John Adams just would have 
written on the side, all the way up the side, in four-inch letters. John <laughs> Well, up the, you know, what is that? The, the margin. The margin. Yeah. I couldn't think of margin. Up the margin of the declaration. And then curved his name around to the title, to the D. Well, what happens in an office, Adam, when people sign the uh, birthday card for their coworker? Yeah. The, the atom is, like, obscenely large. Yeah, like, you want right. to make everyone know that you want that individual to have a great birthday. I put my John Hancock on there. <laughs> Absolutely. But that is exactly where putting your John Hancock came from was because of John Hancock's rather flamboyant signing of the Declaration. And when you were a schoolboy, didn't you notice, you couldn't help but notice, that the John Hancock signature was very prominent. And, in fact, if I'm not mistaken – was there or is there now an insurance company that uses the John Hancock oh. signature as their corporate logo? For certain. Uh, one of the most famous buildings in Chicago is the John Hancock building. And I will say the best John Hancock pop culture reference is in the film Tommy Boy when Chris Farley answered who signed the declaration, Herbie Hancock. <laughs> And then he, he referred to it later in the movie when someone brought up John Hancock. And he goes, no, 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 it's Herbie Hancock. See, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love stuff like that. <laughs> See how this works? You know history. I know Chris Farley movies. You do. You know the pop culture. Uh, 56 men from 13 colonies became the official signers of the Declaration of Independence. The average age of the signers, Adam? was 45 years of age. We always think that these were a group of uh, educated, uh, genteel, uh, older, noble men, but many of them were farmers and uh, just gentlemen that were very interested in America having an independence from Great Britain. Those old historical photos of George Washington, and, and they look like they're 75 years old, they're actually 28 in those pictures. They just, they had a hard life. They did have a hard <laughs> those life. Those winters yes. were harsh. Well, and I think George Washington actually <laughs> passed away after working in the farm fields all day as an older gentleman. No kidding. So even though he was an ex-president and yeah. was home uh, at his presidential estate, he's out working the fields. And then uh, actually that prompted him to uh, have, the, have, have huh. his passage. So Very interesting. The youngest uh, signer was uh, Thomas Lynch of South Carolina. He was 27. The oldest delegate was Benjamin Franklin. Now, people don't quite – this is hard to even grasp, but Benjamin Franklin was 70 years old when the Declaration was signed. So while he was one of the most prominent uh, people in early politics, he, he really was an elder statesman. That, that is uh, – I bet he didn't like the 27-year-old. No, he was whippersnapper. Young whippersnapper. <laughs> and that's why when you see Benjamin Franklin on the bill, he does look old because why? He was because he old. Was. Absolutely. The lead author of the Declaration, Thomas Jefferson, was a mere lad at age 33. One out of eight signers of the Declaration of Independence was educated at Harvard University. One out of what? One out of eight. One out of eight. Yes, seven seven total were uh, actually educated at Harvard. And that shows you early on how truly important uh, higher education was to the founders of our country. And in fact, I believe uh, Thomas Jefferson was involved heavily in the founding of the College of William and Mary, which famously has two names, as we've always laughed, which is it, William or Mary? Now, not one of them went to Arizona State. 
No. Or <laughs> Sun Devils. <laughs> or uh, the Pac-12 wasn't really that strong back then. It also says that Thomas Jefferson <laughs> designed the mascot with the overhead with the oversized head motif, which was later utilized by Purdue University in Indiana yes. with their famed Purdue Pete. Absolutely. History, folks. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson created the Sun Devil. Absolutely. Uh, only two signers of the Declaration of Independence later served as presidents of the United States. They were John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. So you knew that John Adams, he should have yeah. done the big, big signature up the margin, over yeah. the top. For sure. He should have signed it in Sharpie. You think the presidents or the ex-presidents or the future presidents would have a bigger bigger name than John Hancock? Wouldn't that have been great, though, if John Hancock had traveled back in time? Everyone else is signing it with a quill pen dipped into ink. He just pulls out a big Sharpie. He's got a big Sharpie. <laughs> got a big Sharpie. Uh, you probably remember what the original flag looked like during the Declaration of Independence. We oftentimes see this flag displayed on or around the July 4th holiday, the 13 stars of the original colonies. And, of course, they were famously in a circle. In a circle. And yeah. they did that so that the uh, the circles or, or so that the stars themselves would all appear equal in size. They didn't want to create a field of stars because they felt like visually you might depict two or three of those stars, even if they were the same size as being different sized. Hmm. So somebody said, hey, let's do it in a circle. No, I had no idea. Never heard that one. And we don't know uh, how that circle was crafted. Did they put a Chinette plate down and draw around it? We don't. We have no idea. Someone later used that plate to get some beans at a Fourth of July cookout. So that's that's how the circle was founded. Now, uh, <laughs> here's, here's now here's a good thing. And Adam, you could start this. I know that you love quirky traditions. There is a tradition of eating salmon on the 4th of July. No, there's not. There is, and it began in New England. We are not misinforming the audience. That never happened. It's not going to happen. You know, I wish I could tell you that it didn't happen, but because New England was so prominent and the salmon industry was so prominent in the United States that oftentimes it was uh, a time to have a salmon dinner on the 4th of July. In fact, supposedly John and Abigail Adams had had served salmon on the very first uh, 4th of July. And apparently the traditional way to serve it is pair it with green peas. When did that tradition stop? And it thank stopped. God it did. It stopped because salmon, unfortunately, uh, the salmon uh, got uh, lesser and lesser through centuries. And, of course, you might have imagined the food that has taken over Salmon's Place. It, it's, it pretty much came to a halt when the Johnsonville Brat Factory opened up. I was going to say, <laughs> the deliciousness that is hot dogs. In fact, uh, Adam, you touched on it. Around 150 million hot dogs will be consumed by Americans on the 4th of July. And that is according to, and I love the fact that there are actual organizations that that uh, tabulate these things. The National Hot Dog and Sausage Council is the is the group that knows. Can you imagine the meetings at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council? How delicious that must be. Are they are they recruiting? Are they hiring? I would love to work at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. You and I've been in radio most of our lives, but I think. I think that I could carve out a career at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. I feel like I could help them with I'll, their marketing. 
I'll tell you what they don't eat on the 4th of July. They don't eat salmon at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council meetings. The hot dog has supplanted the salmon, as we like to say. So $150 And if you want to be— Well, let's just do the math on that. That's— okay. There's 300 million people in the country. Right. Every other person has a hot dog. Every other person eats a hot dog on the 4th of July. That's unbelievable. So if you eat a hot dog or two or three or four, you're eating for those that maybe are still eating salmon <laughs> or, or, <don't laughs> or just eat. couldn't get around a, or, or are vegans or vegans, you know. So, so yeah. So I think that that's kind of cool that if you take the total population of America, at least half has eaten at least one hot dog. That's a staggering that, number. That is a lot of hot dogs. Now, if you want to be slightly fascinated and maybe slightly grossed out all at the same time, you know that Joey Chestnut represents uh, the hot dog eating uh, contest. It's famously held at Nathan's uh, in Coney Island in New York. Yeah, And they try absolutely. to see how many hot dogs. And I love the fact uh, that Paul Page who's a fairly well-regarded sportscaster, is the play-by-play voice for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Now, he's kind of embraced it, but I'm going to guess initially when told, hey, you're going to be on a national ESPN show where guys are going to be jamming hot dogs in their mouth. He probably thought, where did my career go wrong? But then a few years later, he realized his career went right. It did. That's, because a, that's a fun thing. When you look it up on YouTube, you always hear his play by play. Now, last year, Joey Chestnut. Don't won. tell me. I got to. How have many the number? do you think he ate? What's the time frame? The you know that it does not say okay. here. But There's it's but, one sitting. Yeah, one sitting. I think it's approximately ten minutes. I could be off by a minute or two. Can I uh, can I frame it next to uh, the stomach? In the uh, film Meatballs, in the hot dog eating contest <laughs> with the stomach, and how many he ate. By the way, Meatballs, I, what a great film. Uh, I think uh, This is the only public affairs show where you'll hear a reference to Meatballs starring Bill Murray. In fact, Adam and I always uh, recommend that if you are working at a summer camp this summer, that you watch Meatballs as a training <laughs> film. No, absolutely not. As a training film. Rewind the show. Okay, how many, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's got to be an astounding, uh, unbelievable number, like 227. Well, you would think that. So that's why I was saying, I think it's only like a nine or ten minute stretch because according to my notes, he ate 70 hot dogs. But realize, 70, 70 hot dogs. Now- <laughs> Picture, and these are Nathan's hot dogs. If I'm not mistaken, 10 of them are approximately a pound and a half. So you are seven times 1.5. I mean, the guy ate eight or nine pounds of hot dogs with their buns. It's you have to eat the buns. Oh, as yeah. Well. Oh, there's buns? Yeah, they jam the hot dog bun into water. They'll have pitchers of water. And what they'll do is let the water completely soften the bun. That's why I'm saying this is both fascinating and gross all at the same time. So there's no air in the bun. Right. And then they just jam big handfuls of these wet buns and just just gorge them down. Uh, okay, for First, I want to take back my guess of two hundred, or I'm sorry, two hundred and seventy, or two hundred and twenty-seven. That's ridiculous, and I that's feel, ridiculous. Why? I feel like the dumbest guy in the room now for guessing two hundred twenty-seven. 70 hot dogs, bun two. Yeah. And I, I think I'm a big guy, and on 4th of July, I think I could hammer down 
not in a contest, but just casually through mm-hmm. through a three hour uh, cookout at a friend's pool, I, I think I could hammer down uh, five hot dogs if I was like crazy hungry, right? And I would be crazy full. I mean, right. so full I probably couldn't eat until five p.m. the next day, you and that's five. Once I don't you know how I could fit another 65 in me. Standard human consumption is once you've had your third dog, because it's easy, you're talking to your friends, you're sipping, you're talking, three, four hot dogs, not unheard of, but at, after about three or four, you're pretty full. So picture eating 70. And, and you know, uh, if I could just uh, jump in here one more sure. time, if you think of, a, of what you would imagine a man would have to look like to consume 70 hot dogs in a bun... That's not what Joey Chestnut looks like. No. He's an absolutely normal-sized guy. If probably, you met him on I, the streets, you wouldn't even pay attention. Six probably. foot, 185 pounds. Yeah. I mean, just a totally normal-sized guy. He's yeah. not one of these uh, a giant – the kind of giant you would think would have to yeah. have the framework to fit 70 hot dogs in. This is just a gentleman that, that's particularly good he's, at eating lots he's, of food. He's like Liam Neeson. <laughs> he's got a particular set of skills. <laughs> Absolutely. There's going to be approximately 15,000 Independence Day fireworks celebrations held on or about the 4th of July. As you know, many towns now try to get their celebration a little bit before or a little bit after the 4th of July because they know how crowded 4th of July is going to be. Now, the pricing varies, but small towns can spend anywhere from 8000 to 15000 for a fireworks display, with larger cities into the millions. The Boston Pops Fireworks Spectacular is estimated to cost around $2.5 million. One show. One show. Where, where are they getting their uh, ROI on that? How do they make their money back? Well... Apparently, they have underwriters of some kind well, or sponsors, perhaps a beneficiary yeah. or maybe even a fireworks trust was Maybe set they're up. selling hot dogs at the show and everybody's having 70. If you can eat 70 hot dogs, you can help us with today's fireworks celebration. Now, are you familiar with the Cincinnati fireworks display? And many other river towns have done this where they tow these barges out, uh, anchor them, yeah. and then just explode the fireworks. Pretty spectacular. And then a little bit safer there because, you know, you're shooting them out over water. The most important thing about any fireworks display, of course, is safety. Uh, we do urge you on this show is to be safe if your municipality allows your own personal fireworks, but you can't beat the public fireworks displays. They're shot off by professionals. Mm-hmm. Just get a blanket, bring the kids Ooh and ah, go home. Nobody gets hurt. That's a little bit better way to go. Now, Jay, when I was a kid, uh, and you can't make fun of me when I tell you this, I thought that fireworks, when they exploded in the sky, I didn't realize they were three-dimensional as a globe. Right. Like an explosion emanating out from a single point in all directions, like a ball, like a globe. I thought that it was amazing that every time I saw fireworks, it was flat to my line of sight. And I ah. always felt bad for the people that were watching a few miles away that only saw the side of it. That like, could only see just the single line of... Like the side of a television. Yeah, like yes. the side of a flat panel TV. Right. And I can't. I wish I could tell you how old I was when I realized, oh, these aren't flat. <laughs> these aren't flat. <laughs> And I wasn't that young. 
when I no, figured it out. I think that that's so cool. <laughs> and that's cool. why I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing stories like that because you're right. Many times we first see these things, we're absolute children. You have no concept whatsoever that yeah. that is the way it is. Uh, the other big thing, of course, is Fourth of July parades. Many communities will have them and uh, – Certainly, you want to go out and enjoy those parades. I'm going to be in a Fourth of July parade. I think that that's great that you will be. I think it's so traditional and fun. Yeah, we in fact today we just had a meeting uh, to finalize the plans and decide what kind of candy we're going to get. Are to you going to be to the like part of a a display and then you throw candy to the kids? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. It's just you know hometown uh, parade and uh, kids. Last year we had uh, little tiny chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. Bad idea on a ninety four degree day. Yes. So this year we're going with Smarties and suckers, things that don't melt. <laughs> On, on the 4th of July. You know, it is great when you tell me a story about something you've done in the past and it just didn't turn out. Because yeah. I could see you trying to give them the high-quality chocolate experience. I could see that. Somebody listening right now is like, I just did my first 4th of July parade, and we did have tiny Snickers, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's great. I lived in a very small community for a while. The 4th of July parade was always terrific. And my own personal thing, and it doesn't have to be your personal thing, but I thank everybody because you, you know you're standing right by the parade route, and I would thank everybody as they went by for participating in the parade. You know, like the high school marching band, because those you know the high school kids they're off during the summer, but they have to uh-huh. go get their instruments and go out and sometimes wear very hot, stuffy uniforms in 90 degree heat. Um, and then uh, all the floats went by, and I thank people. And there were there was a float full of World War One reenactors, some older gentlemen who were nodding off from the heat, and I thank the one guy for defeating the Hun in World War One. Oh, he glances up and he said, big smile on his face. So I felt like I kind of made his afternoon. So <laughs> it's not a bad idea if you can do it sincerely, because I was sincere about it, thanking people that are in the parade because they're working pretty hard. And I felt bad for those guys in those World War One uniforms, very scratchy wool. Uh, you know, in the middle of July. I think those uniforms were designed to fight a battle in, you know, in the middle of winter. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great idea to thank, uh, thank all of your volunteers at the parade you go to, even if you're just in a lawn chair yourself as a viewer, uh, as a spectator, thank the people that are walking by to make sure everybody's safe. And it is fun seeing the kids go for the candy because Mm -hmm. as you know, some kids that's full that's full contact sport going oh, after yeah. the candy. It is. It There's is. some seven year old with a broad shoulders. <laughs> Look out, kids. And I will uh, advise along those lines if you're a parent taking your children to a parade, uh, you may find a better seat at the end of the parade route, but realize most of the floats are going to be out of candy by the time they get to you. That's right. And your kids are going to be a little disappointed. So maybe get halfway or closer to the beginning of the parade route. That's, that's actually good, a great tip. That's where the good candy is. That's a great tip. Also, uh, <laughs> I always love it when horses are in a parade. But that's for a completely <laughs> different, different reason. That's yes, a That's a different story, different show. Now, you know Americans are going to spend a lot of money on food and drinks this 4th of July. you doing anything socially? Uh, 4th of July. Uh, it's always a family affair. Uh, there's a swimming pool. There are definitely hot dogs involved. Um, fireworks for sure. Once it gets dark, uh, my kids, my sister's family. Yeah. That's what we're going to do again this year. 
yeah, food and drink, a big part of a number of Fourth of July uh, celebrations. Uh, apparently, we're going to spend about $7.1 billion on Fourth of July related food. John Hancock would be happy to know that. And that $7 billion? John Hancock, that's why he signed it so big, because he had to get back to the picnic. (laughs) According to the National Retail Federation, which is not nearly as much fun as the Hot Dog Institute, the Sausage Council, (laughs) this includes food and other cookout expenses, averaging out to about $73 per person participating in barbecue and other outdoor cookouts or picnics. $73 a person? Per person is approximately about what we'll be spending. And then, uh, then of course, that doesn't uh, include beverages. The Beer Institute estimates that Americans will spend around a billion dollars on beer for their Fourth of July celebrations, and more than four hundred and fifty million dollars on wine. So yes, beer and wine, kind of uh, popular uh, picnic things. As always, as we say, if you are going to celebrate with alcoholic beverages, please do have a designated driver and stay safe. As we wrap up the show. Uh We'll talk dessert real quick. If you pick up a package of the 4th of July cupcakes available at your neighborhood grocer, uh, realize that the red and or the blue icing mm-hmm. does stain your clothes. Does Keep that it? in mind. Yeah. Tastes delicious, bad for your clothes. So later when you have red and blue streaks on your khaki shorts, you go, oh, I should have thought of that. Right. So if you see somebody with the stain, you'll know. Just ask them, how was the cupcake? And they'll <laughs> they'll tell you. They'll know. They'll know what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Well, happy Fourth uh, of July to everybody listening. Happy Independence Day, whether you're celebrating this weekend or next weekend. Uh, have fun at your parades. Drink plenty of water if it's hot. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us here at the show, you can uh, check us out online, adamritzshow.com. I'm on Twitter, at Adam Ritz. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash show. Thank you so much. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.